one time in the governance of the game. Welcome to the Welsh Rugby Union podcast. So it's a couple of weeks since the independent report and the various accusations facing the WIU came out. Time to digest that and there's been a WIU AGM as well. So now it's about the top people in the game delivering the recommendations in the report. This week we can hear much more about how they're going to set about doing that. Firstly, we can introduce you to someone new on the WIU board but who will be a key player going forward. My name is Alison Thorne. I'm newly appointed to the Welsh Rugby Union Board. I'm an independent non-executive director, INED for short. And what does that involve? What, what's that doing? Governance obviously is one of the key areas. So an independent non-executive director has the opportunity to scrutinise. We're there to challenge, but we're also there to support. So we're very much what I sort of describe a little bit in the helicopter, kind of looking at everything, asking the right questions, but offering support and ideas. And, you know, the executives then have to do the doing. So I don't do the hard work. I do the sort of the helicopter viewing. And governance in particular, governance is an area that this report really criticises, says has to change. Presumably that's A, something you would agree with and B, something you're going to be a key part of. Completely, you know, the, the panel's findings make for you know difficult reading for everybody and we really, really thank all those people who came forward to make those changes happen. You know, change has to kind of start from the top and that is about the governance and, you know, governance, what does that mean? It means how do we do things around here and making sure we have the right processes, the right procedures, the right understanding about who makes what decision where and that everybody feels very confident and knows what that looks like. And, and yes, I have some experience in that, so I can bring that to the party. Yeah, just explain what that experience is. So I'm um, a Panath girl, so I started working in retail, David Morgan's, and so those people will know, and Debenhams. So I had a corporate career through retail, and then I moved into executive search and mentoring, so understanding people and putting the right teams together, and then moved into non-executive work. And I work with an organisation called Women on Boards. It's not all about women, it's met women and men to get more people onto boards. And part of that is understanding what is a board, what is the work, what do you have to do as a non-exec or a trustee, and so I've learnt with them and had 10 years or so building that experience. So it's women on boards, it's getting the board to look more like society, whereas in the past maybe it's just looked like the top of the rugby clubs. Yeah, and it's a real challenge, isn't it? You know, we have this continual debate around we really want though that diverse board, we want it to reflect the um, the public, the society that we operate within and uh, you know we have a very strong male playing rugby environment so we want to encourage more women, we want to encourage all sorts of different backgrounds, ethnicity, we do so well with wheelchair rugby and with the deaf rugby, there's so much more wider representation that I think that we could create within both the community game but also within the elite as well. Around 36 recommendations in this report, an awful lot of them to do with governance. Some of them starting, some of them progress already being made. What would you like to see happen over the next two to three years? You know, if we look at three years hence, I'll start with, I suppose, that we have to have this oversight group which will hold us to account. So the oversight group is going to be there, we're going to be reporting to them every quarter. So at the end of the three years, I want them to go, 
or actually at the end of two years, we're done. You know, you're well on track, you're looking really good. And then I want the public to think, gosh, that is a fantastic organisation and that people really want to work for it. And they'll only know that because we're transparent, because we're telling everybody every quarter, you know, we've inched this way forward, we've leapt that bit forward, we've really engaged with people, we've got a great listening programme, this is what we've heard and this is what we're changing. So in three years' time, I want the, um, the oversight board to go 10 out of 10, leading sports organisation, the rest of the UK should look at us. So I suppose joining the Welsh Rugby Union is a difficult time with a lot going on and reputationally a lot of damage having happened. Are you looking forward to it? Are you enjoying it? Is it fun to be part of? Absolutely. The report is very hard-hitting and I absolutely give my sympathy and, and thanks to those people who are brave enough to speak out. I absolutely recognise without those voices we would not have the changes that we have today. I knew obviously as I joined that this report was imminent and I knew that um, I would learn a lot from it but also that it would give us a really good guidance to how we can improve and change going forward. So good to meet Alison and find out more about her. Someone we know a lot more about and who will, of course, play a key role is incoming CEO Abby Tierney. I was really sad reading the report. A lot of sorrow, actually, about what people had gone through and what people had experienced, but also about a lot of the missed opportunities there was to do things differently earlier on. So that was probably my two overriding thoughts. And then I was also really pleased to see that all the recommendations so many of them either were already in progress and delivering or they made sense in terms of building a good organisation when you've already signed up to be the new chief exec without seeing the report if you were given recommendations that you didn't agree with that would be quite a challenge but I agreed with all of them so there was a kind of sense of oh no this is good it's a real mandate going forward. How can you now sort of get stuck in and make all those changes even more so, you know, this is a real chance for us to draw a line under the past and really build for the future. And to actually be given that document with the recommendations is a fantastic platform to be doing that. So I'm absolutely raring to go and can't wait. Out of everything you've seen in the report, what is for you the priority, the thing that needs to be fixed first? Culture. Um, to me, everything else, everything comes down to culture and it will be hard and it will take time and there's already a lot of work that's happened. But an organisation where people feel included, where people feel it's safe, where there's a sense of trust and where, and I think the report used the word kindness, where it's a kind organisation as well. So building that will be really important. And then if I can have two, the other bit is is the governance and improving the governance and the processes and systems that underpin that to ensure that it's fit for an organisation of this importance and size. I think it comes down to hard graft actually and so you know being out there listening hearing and then being able to show that having listened and heard what their concerns are both in the report but I'll be doing that a lot more as well in the new year taking that on board and delivering change. I think we've got to make sure we are act. Say what you're going to do and then do it. And that is what builds trust. But it does take hard graft when it's been lost. I don't underestimate that. Both at a board level within the WRU. And, and do you feel there's an issue culturally at the clubs as well that needs addressing? I think the report makes it clear that the culture needs to improve throughout the WRU, not just at the corporate centre, but everywhere in clubs, um, ensuring that clubs are inclusive, that everybody is welcomed into those clubs, that they represent, you know, rugby in Wales is part of the fabric of Wales, and yet we don't yet fully reflect Welsh society, so I think that's the big cultural change we have to do. 
and that was one of the big things highlighted in the report is just that the WIU isn't representative of the whole of Wales and the whole of modern Wales. What can be done and what is being done under your leadership and the new board's leadership to change that? So I think the big bit will be the strategy that we're going to co-create together early in the new year. That's my real priority. It struck me in the document that there hasn't been a strategy and having a strategy that the clubs and the community game and the elite game, both men and women's, and the board all sign up to. And if we can co-create that together and have something that everybody can get behind, of which inclusion and diversity is right at the heart of that, I think is the really big thing we need to do. 140 plus years of the Welsh Rugby Union, every single governance change has been fought against quite fiercely in certain cases. Do you feel there's more of an appetite for change maybe now than there ever has been before? I absolutely do and as part of my when I was applying for this job I met with a lot of people and listened to a lot of people and really tested that because I'd watched the documentary like everybody else had as a big fan of Welsh rugby so I wanted to know I didn't want to come in and face real resistance to the change that was going to be needed otherwise I'd have failed at my job so I really looked people in the eye and said are we up for this are we going to do this together and even today when we met with the board and the council they are you know fully accepting and supporting of the recommendations we've got to take this moment in time don't we it's a really valuable moment in time I think we could really leapfrog some other sporting organisations that are facing similar challenges if we choose to embrace these recommendations fully and really go at them. The report highlights the other rugby organisations that have got very, very similar challenges. Do you almost think in a few years' time we might look back, it's painful at the moment, but in the end it might be a good thing because of the changes it does bring? I absolutely do believe that. I I think we could be ahead of others if we do this. I know that others are looking at what's happening in Wales and looking to learn from that. So I am really confident that we will look back and say that was a moment in time that we took hold of and we made a, a, you know, a rugby union that everybody could be really proud of being part of. Just to end on a slightly happier note, you're out of the World Cup. That would have been a, a great opportunity to meet a lot of people, yes. start getting your feet under the yes. table in a way. Did you enjoy the experience? Oh, absolutely loved it, although I hadn't quite clocked how different it would be watching a match now that I'm the incoming chief exec. Somebody should have told me how different it would feel. So I've watched it so many times as a, a fan and then you watch it and you realise how much more effort has gone into the prep and also the, st- the things that are at stake. So the wins were even sweeter. The loss at the end was really hard. Yeah, but we won't it talk was, about Marseille. No, no, no. But it was, I, I just felt so lucky to be um, you know, part of this team going forward. And I was so proud of the players and what they did and how they delivered and all of the coaching teams and everything. So it was fantastic. listening to the Welsh Rugby Union podcast. And of course, acting CEO Nigel Walker has played a big part in the changes already made and more going forward as executive director of rugby. Well, I was around in, in January when the programme went out. It doesn't get any easier. 130-odd pages of, I suppose, condensing six years. Some terrible stories some terrible statements. It's obvious, it was obvious in January that the Welsh Rugby Union had failed a number of people, failed a number of women, for which I apologised at the time and I repeat that apology. But there is a commitment for us as an organisation to do better. 
and we feel we've made progress. We're not the perfect organisation, that's not what I'm saying, uh, before anybody criticises me for that. But we said even before we saw the recommendations, we were committed to implementing them in full. We repeat that commitment to implement the recommendations, and we know there's a long road ahead of us, but as I say, we're committed to making this organisation the organisation we all want to work in. And a large focus of the report was on changes within the female game within the WRU. Uh, many changes to the game almost being taken in reluctance in some instances. How do you show to you know, young girls who want to play rugby that they are wanted in the WRU? I was recruited in the summer of 2021. Uh, the report was commissioned in the spring of 2021. It had already been delivered to the Welsh Rugby Union by the time I went through the interview process and it was mentioned in every interview, and it was at least 10, 15, 20 minutes in every interview. And I was left in no doubt that the women's programme and the women's performance programme was going to be a priority for me. And nothing has changed. We've made some considerable progress as far as the women's programme is concerned. Two third place finishes in the last two women's Six Nations, an improvement in her ranking to number six in the world, taking part in WXV1. It's not all about results, but you have to create the environment and provide the support for the team to flourish. And before I came here for this press conference, I was at the NCE to speak to Johan Cunningham and the team manager, Angela Dorr, of the women's programme. And there was a team's call with the squad so that they knew what was coming because we treat that squad with respect We've resourced it very well over the last two years and that commitment to the women's programme will continue. And looking at the recommendations, you do have a mountain to climb and improvements to the WRU. How do you ensure that people don't start to feel weary at putting all these changes in and ensuring that they are put in? Well, we're going to go at pace. and We've said we're going to go at pace. Richard Collier-Keywood suggested that we will report uh, quarterly. So at the end... Of this year, 31st of December, we will issue a report of how well we're doing against those recommendations. We will deliver them as soon as is practicably possible. We don't want people to grow weary, we don't want to grow weary, but we want to demonstrate to people that we've taken the review seriously, which we have, that we're committed to implementing the recommendations, which we are, and we want to get them implemented as quickly as possible. How do you get that cultural change all the way down to a grassroots level? It's not easy to change the culture of an organisation and it takes time. You have to have agreement within the organisation of what you're trying to fix. So I suspect we'll be talking to our staff. The report suggested that it's not across the organisation. There are pockets within the organisation, if you read between the lines. It mentions the National Centre of Excellence, for example, as an area that might require attention. So we'll be getting team managers and squads together in the National Centre of Excellence and we'll be talking about what we would expect the culture to be within that facility. Once you've identified what you want that culture to be, you can then put in place steps to make sure you deliver it. And you keep measuring how far and how well you're doing against those targets until you reach the place that you want to be and then you keep redoubling your efforts to make sure that you stay there. That's how you change a culture and we are committed to doing that. And obviously efforts have already begun for that cultural change. What progress have you seen so far? Well, if you talk about the, the culture within the organisation generally, three, four, five years ago, we know that it was a few years ago by the statements that are made and if you 
look at some of the statements about what it's like now, particularly with regard to the women's programme, you can see that we've made progress. We've done surveys within the women's squad. We've done two since I've been here and we've tracked the progress so that we've got the same questions and you track them year on year. And there was an improvement from year one to year two. Now that's not a trend as such, but we'll check it in year three and we'll check it in year four. And we'll continue to engage with the women's squad and touch with the women's squad to make sure it's the environment that they want and that we want. A lot of people may be sceptical that they don't trust the WIU to actually push this through at the lowest levels all the way to the top. How do you ensure that that comes across sincerely? Just like changing a culture, building trust takes time. You can talk all you like. People will measure you by your actions. So what we say we're going to do, we have to do it, and people will measure us. We said we're going to do this, have you done it? If we fail to come up to the standards that we set, people will lose trust and we'll never get there. That's how we'll be judged. So if we're standing in this room in five or six years' time, it may not take as long as that, but if we are standing here in five or six years' time and we are producing a report like the one we've produced today, we will have failed. If we're standing here in five or six years' time and instead of threes or fours out of ten, we've got eights and nines out of ten, well, we will have achieved what we wanted to achieve. The report catalogues a series of broken promises, changes in management, all sorts of things going wrong with the women's game, particularly between 2016 and 2021. When you read that version of the women's game, that's not something you recognise now, presumably. I knew we had a problem because I saw the report, and the current squad are the ones who had completed that report. When I came in, the first thing I did, even before I started in September, in July and August, I came to watch the squads train, I got to know the players, got to know the coaches, and there were a few coaches at the time because the, there wasn't a coach. The previous coach had left uh, shortly before that. One of the immediate things I did was recruit Joan Cunningham. Then we recruited a team of practitioners around Joan Cunningham and some assistant coaches. And by and large, they're still here today. Joan's under contract until at least 2025. We've got stability. So that swing door approach, if you like, to service in the women's squad changed a long time ago and if you talk to the women's squad today and I'm happy for people to talk to them they're a much happier bunch than they were two or three years ago because I made promises to them and I have held up my part of the bargain with regard to those promises and so have they incidentally they've worked their socks off and they have been rewarded with improved performances and we are committed to continuing to invest in the women's programme to continue to test the temperature with regard to the environment and how they're feeling. And if they're not happy, we've got to listen. We are accused of not listening back then. We're all ears now. Talk about the budget for the women's game. And Ireland were behind, but they've now moved up to a £5 million commitment, a minimum of 32 players recommended in Wales be professional. Yeah. I was struck by, in the WXV, how many of those players had only been professional for a short time. So there's constant churn in, in the players, and if you're really going to get the benefits, people need to be professional for longer. What is the future in terms of numbers, professionalism, in terms of budgets? Are you confident that both are going to go up? I, I could see you smiling when you asked me that question, because <laughs> uh, you're not really expecting me to say it's going to be 3.8 million next year and 4.7 million the year after. What we are doing, we are continually assessing and reassessing where our women's programme is in relation to our nearest competitors. And you mentioned Ireland and you've mentioned Scotland. And we've not done too badly against those two nations in the last two years. But any nation that stands still will quickly be overtaken. England are ahead of the pack 
because they invested sooner than everybody else and they invested more than everybody else and they've had professional players for longer than everybody else and they're reaping the rewards. They've got fairly deep pockets. We're not committing to match them penny for penny, but we are committing to match their ambition for their programme. Interesting to talk to the top people in the Welsh Rugby Union and get such a detailed route map of the way forward. Plenty more next week, of course, but until then, the Welsh Rugby Union podcast, goodbye.